do you do when you're dealing with behaviors in your therapy session? That's what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirsty Miles. Hey, thanks for joining us. Today we're actually talking about behaviors. So Kirsty and I hear a lot about behaviors, right? In therapy, we hear that a decent amount. We hear it in interviews. That's where therapists seem to struggle the most. Mm -hmm. That's where they get their constructive feedback from clinical instructors. That's where they need help. So when you think about behaviors, sometimes I get confused by this, right? Because we all have behaviors. Like I have a certain behavior right now. So do you. I was going to say, I have 300 in a day. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so we're always behaving in some way, all of us. And so a lot of times people say, well, gosh, I just, I'm having trouble with the behaviors, but I'm not really sure what that means. I get confused too. So I always ask more questions. I need more information. Sometimes I think people assume that I know that they mean something negative, but not necessarily because it could be a very positive behavior. I have been known to have positive behaviors in a day. (laughs) 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 I mostly have. But generally speaking, when therapists bring to you, hey, this child is having behaviors, it's not in a positive way. No, it's not. What I hear most from new grads is I'm struggling with the behaviors for this child. I struggle with behaviors. My CI helped me with behaviors that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So today we just want to start the discussion about behaviors and let's think about it a little bit more broadly in terms of like negative things because we all have behaviors. So let's think more about what's happening so we can start to target what's happening versus just this general term of behaviors because you really don't know what it's hard to know what to do with that. When my youngest was about a year I swear he hit terrible twos like at a year old. Not even joking. <laughs> well, this makes me laugh and smile because as Kirsty's talking about this, this younger kid is like a clone of her except for he's a boy. But besides that, yes, keep and talking. And that's probably why we butt heads so very much. <laughs> he's such a little tiny Kirsty, but in the form of a boy. Kim and I are very much alike. Mm. And um, He's a great kid. He he wasn't a great baby. <laughs> he was tough. <laughs> Did your mom he, say you were a bad baby, a hard baby? No, she says I was wonderful. <laughs> She forgets. She's confused. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, <laughs> but uh, he he was he was a tough he was a tough one, and maybe that's because my first was you know so easygoing and laid back and went with the flow, and this one completely bucked at everything and had and an how opinion about everything, and I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh, you are so difficult. And getting him picked up from daycare at the end of the day, he arched in the car seat. He didn't want to get in. I was practically sitting on this child to get him buckled in at the end of the day and that is the last thing I I mean I some days I would dread going to pick him up because I'm like this should be fun I should get to see my kid and he's fighting me to get in the car seat and so he has a strong opinion I'm sh- about I'm everything I'm very confused as to who that sounds like but all right know. I don't know I'm, just, I'm <laughs> stumped so I'm reading this article one day and it's talking about you know how you're taking your child to the grocery store at noon and typically they're eating lunch at 11:30, and they're getting ready to go down for a nap and you know they're they're fussy in the store and well normally they'd be in their crib so Mm. it kind of hit me in the face and I remember like tears going down my face I'm like oh my gosh it's me (laughs) It's me. Like, I'm the issue, not him. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to cart him around when normally it's nap time or this is what he would be expecting or, you know. So I really had to look at that. And it was actually a speech therapist because he would not hold my hand to go into daycare. And he wanted to run across the parking lot. And I swore I would never use one of those back 
strap leash things and I was like <laughs> I have put my child on the leash like I am desperate desperate he would lay on the blacktop in the summer when it was so hot and pitch a fit and refuse refuse and I'm just like oh my gosh what is happening oh my <laughs> gosh and somebody a speech therapist goes Kirsty, have you tried like a transitional object and I was like what (laughs) (laughs) i'm not listening to you go away (laughs) i just filled with like everything i would recommend to any other parent right (laughs) now (laughs) how many many transitional objects had you used yourself in therapy oh like hundreds time hundreds all the time like i just talked about it with you before we (laughs) started recording about (laughs) taking the train from the train table in the waiting room to get them to come back for therapy so here i am going Oh. oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started doing that and I was like, huh, this is more pleasant. Did it work? Yes. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. So <laughs> I think it made me a better therapist. I think a lot of things in life have hit me in the face and made me a better therapist. And that's, how that works. Um, that's how that works too. Yes. Anyway, life experience yeah, will yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. Both of those two like are pinpoint places in his early childhood that I'm like, and it was you. What we do all day long, it's about everybody else. It's not about us. Every therapy session, for every person that walks through the door, for you as a therapist, you're asking, how can I help you? Sometimes you're not physically or literally asking, how can I help you? But your actions, your words, your deeds are a version of how can I help you? Which means it's about them, not about you. So the first place to think about what these behaviors or behaviors that are happening is, it's not about us, it's about them, which means we have to change what we do. So if a child is demonstrating some things that aren't necessarily conducive or some behaviors that aren't conducive to helping him them get better in therapy, the first place you look is you to see, okay, what can I do differently to best help them? Because it's not about me, it's about them. So let's think about some scenarios and some ideas to help just sort of to flesh that out a little bit. So the first thing is sometimes you have to change your mindset, you know? So if you've got a child that comes in every session and they, this happened recently, this little uh, boy, he didn't really want to, there was a lot of no, no, and kind of sitting in the corner. He didn't really want to participate. I worked with this other therapist. He called me in to ask for help with this little boy. The little boy sat in the corner. No, no, he didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to do anything in therapy. He just wanted to sit in the corner. And so that therapist was starting to get kind of like, oh, okay, here comes little Johnny, or I can't remember the child's name, but here comes Johnny. He started getting very like, oh, I'm really dreading the session. I'm really dreading the session. So the first thing I talked to the therapist about was, okay, I know Johnny's coming in. He's a little harder than most, but this is a challenge. This is an opportunity for you to learn and how to work through this. So the first thing I talked to the therapist was, okay, let's change your mindset so you're not dreading Johnny. Because if you go into it like, oh, great, he's here. He already knows. Yeah, it's going to be negative. You know, as soon as you were walking in the door to the daycare and you like, oh, he's going to pitch a fit. You kind of already started behind the eight ball. And we've all been there, right? I've been there in therapy, like, oh, great. It's an easy place to go. Yeah, because you were excited about picking up your child, and we're excited about helping this child in therapy, but then when you're hit with all that negative, ugh, every single time, it's easy to be like, okay, great, here he comes again. And they melt down to the floor, and they're <sighs> not going to walk out on two feet. They're going to make you pick them up and haul them down the hallway. <laughs> yes, yes. And so the first thing to think about is, before this child even gets here, what am I bringing into the session that might not be the most positive thing? Leave it. You got to leave it at the door, start off fresh every time, and ask every time, okay, how can I help you? So this little boy, how can I help you? And whatever we did before wasn't working. So what can we do differently? And I know you you say, how can I help you? But I, I also, in my mind, 
how can I make this better? Mm-hmm. Maybe not a 180, but just a little bit. That's a really good point. Small increments make a big difference over time. We're not going to go from sitting in mm-hmm. a corner, no, 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 to, oh, can I have this game, please? You're, no, <laughs> like, you're not. Like, that's not happening today. Totally not. <laughs> Absolutely not. One of my kids' coaches one time, he said, you know, every day try to get 1% better than the day before. If you do, by the end of the year, you're 365% better. I was like, well, that was powerful. I remember that for years. So that's a good place to that's be. That's a good plan. I was like, oh, I can do 1%. 1% is pretty easy. 1% is better, right? I got 1%. So it, small changes over time make a big difference. So changing your mindset may be just the only change you can make that day. And that's, that's good enough for that day. Tomorrow's a new day. So anyway, changing your mindset. Then another thing to think about is if you're having a battle of wills over Mr. Potato Head, walk away. What do I mean by that, right? Like, it's not about what toys or what plan you have. You can go in with a plan and you should have a general plan, right? But if you find yourself fighting over Mr. Potato Head, like, okay, we're playing Mr. Potato Head. And the child's like, I don't want to play Mr. Potato Head. You're like, no, 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 we're playing Mr. Potato Head today. Why? Why? You know, who, who cares about what you play with as long as it's appropriate and as long as it gets the job done? Well, and I always say for the child that comes in, sometimes a parent will come in with the child and a parent does not want their child to not perform or not do in front of another adult. You know, I mean, me personally, I would take it as a direct reflection on my parenting abilities. So I'll be like, no, no, we're going to do this. Do what she says. Do what she says. And sometimes as the therapist, you got to stop and be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what we play with today. We'll let him pick because really you're coming here so I can put in what we need to get out of this session. So it doesn't matter what we pick today. So it's the red shirt, blue shirt principle that you've talked about a million times. I say it all the time. I'm like, give them two choices that you want. This already pre- <laughs> so the two choices are already pre-approved by you. So the red shirt, blue shirt principle is basically, look, you want that your That comes ki- out of my my kid. Yes. Do you want to wear the red one today or the blue one today? Y- your main goal was, look, this kid's got to get a shirt He's got to have clothes on today. <laughs> <laughs> when we leave this house, you have to wear clothes because you can't run around naked, right? <laughs> so I don't care what color shirt it is, but just a shirt. So think about what it is you're trying to get. I don't care what we play with. I just want to work on these concepts. It doesn't matter to me what. And if I have a toy in the therapy room that's not appropriate for that child, then I need to get rid of it so it's not a choice. So don't have something in your therapy room that you isn't already pre-approved by you, and then you're going to win no matter what. Or sometimes in desperate times, you know, we have different closets stocked top to bottom from toys. If it really doesn't matter, what do you want to play with? Or if that room isn't working out. So say you're in one room and they're just not having it, like in a small therapy room. Go into a bigger room with a swing. Change your room altogether. Say you're in a big room and they're just running all over the place. Like PT, you know, sometimes PTs feel like, oh, I got to work in the therapy gym. But sometimes like a a two and three-year-old, you can get everything done in a smaller therapy room. You don't need that much space sometimes. So if you're in a big gym and they're just pouncing off the walls, move to a smaller space. We've had it happen where a child is seen for speech therapy and typically they would be done after a 30 minute speech session and they would be taken up to get their lollipop and sticker and they would be out the door well then mom wanted to coordinate speech and ot on the same day back to back oh so now this 30 minute session is now 
a little bit longer. Yeah. And yeah. he thought he was leaving and out the door. So now we're having to redo how we do that session. Yep. Is it going to be a co-treatment so he can hang on because we're already going to be extending it at that point? Mm -hmm. Or do we have the therapist treat in that room and then the other therapist come yes. into that same room so he doesn't have a transition because once he leaves that room, he thinks he's done. Right. So we are having to regroup. That's not a him issue. That's an us issue. Yep. We just changed his plan for and the day. And sometimes I'll hear, well, the therapist will say, well, he needs to learn how to transition. He does need to learn how to transition, but he's not ready. In baby steps. Yes, he's not ready for that big of a transition. He's got to like just transition activities or people in that situation, the therapist transition. And even how the therapist transitions might have to be baby stepped, mm -hmm. you know? So yes, does he need to work on transition? They're 100% right, but maybe not in the way that is their plan based on the level of what he needs. Which yeah. if the plan is, He's going to transition out of a 30-minute, go into another room and do 45 minutes of another therapy down the hallway that's on the way out. When he's used to leaving that way, he's not used to stopping at that room. That's a big transition. That's huge. And if you're also dealing with a child who's maybe cognitive level is not what you're thinking or, you know, maybe is he's not understanding all the whatever, then you're asking too much. So that's why he just had a meltdown because mm -hmm. he was heading down the hallway and somebody told him to turn left mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. he was out for the sticker and mm -hmm. sucker. Yeah. Which brings us to another point, which is their cognitive level. You got to think about that. If child is understanding basically at a single word level and you're using four and five and six word phrases, sentences to talk to them, you probably are going to have some problems. You know, hey, let's go up these stairs. Okay, here we go. All right, we're finishing the swing and now we're going to go up the stairs. Ready? Here we go. Up the stairs. Up the stairs. Here you go. Up the stairs. They're hearing wah, 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 you know? So instead it just might be swing, stop, up, up, up. That might be what we're need to do, you know? And then you may have to block off the other stuff. If you want them to get from the swing to the stairs, then you have to block everything else out. So there's a path. And we're just doing that path. We've put mats up, standing up on end, so the child only sees one thing and they don't see anything else. For Like if you're in a big gym, that's what I'm kind of thinking about, right? But how you introduce and move from different things, I'm kind of still talking about the transition, but really the cognitive level is important. Because it goes back to, it's not about you, it's about them. And if you need their attention and their focus and they see the entire gym, then we can control the environment. Mm -hmm. So it's our job then to assess the environmental setup and make the change right then. for the session. Right. So you have to always think about the cognitive level, the general diagnosis of the child, and just their sensory level and attention level and play, you, all, all of that. So speech, OT, and PT all have to consider those things and how well the child moves. Mm -hmm. I mean, speech, and, speech has to really pay attention to that sometimes or how the child is positioned. Because if they have trouble sitting up and you're wanting to sit up, I mean, maybe that's not the best way to see that child. Or maybe they need different supports. Or maybe they get so tired sitting up, you know, maybe you need to give them some support and then they will be able to participate the whole time. They just are not able to sit up right. We need to pay attention to the child's overall level, cognitive, physical, emotional, sensory, kind of where they are and adapt our therapy plan accordingly. Again, not about us, it's about them. And then the next point I have in here is treat what you see. So what does that mean? Treat what you see. So if a child comes in the door, last session, they may have worked at a certain level and had a great session. Fantastic. And then, so you're like, okay, well, here's my plan based on what they did last time today. But today they had a hard day at school. Their color got moved from green to red to yellow or what, yeah, whatever that thing is. They just had a really bad day, you know? So maybe they're not working at the same level. It's okay. Sometimes you may have to back up a step and still you get stuff accomplished, but it just might not be quite at the same level of intensity. And that's okay too. 
So you just you maybe need to change what your expectations are for that session based on how the child presents. We've kind of talked about that a little bit also if, they're, if you're like in one room. You know, I've seen some kids where they're like, hey, you know what, let's go swing first. Let's just go swing. We, we can work on goals when we swing, and then we come back in. So that can maybe calm them down a little bit, chill them out a little bit, get them a little bit more regulated, and then we come back in the therapy room. So treat what you see. And then the next thing is, which I think we're all been guilty of this, see if you agree, but sometimes um, we can allow parents or our own beliefs about a situation, for example, we can allow, say, say the child comes back every week with their parent and their parent just talks to you throughout the whole session, right? Or you see this child and they really smell bad, you know, or maybe they're dirty, or maybe the parent comes in with a child and they bring like a whole posse of people, grandma, aunt, and four siblings. So then we can start to be like, oh, I just can't get anything done because of they smell bad or the parent talks the whole session or you've got all these other people. That can also sometimes cause behavior because then that child can feed off of other people. So you have to manage everybody that's there with the session. Do you ever see that happening? Yes, actually, it just happened last week with a therapist, and we were working with the, the younger one. Mom had an infant and then two older children that were going and grabbing all the toys and taking them away from this one, and they're all over the room. And so turns out probably the other one needs therapy as well, and we coordinate it so they can both be in therapy at the same time. And then, because that's a lot for mom to manage too. And I just said to the therapist, gosh, I mean, she has to go home with that, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So how are we helping the situation? Can we get the kids set up where they can be helping to give us something or integrating them into the session? Because otherwise, yeah, it is a little bit overwhelming. Because as a therapist, you now not only are doing therapy, but you're trying to manage that too. But if you think about it, make the situation better. Mm -hmm. right? So make it better, even just a little bit. You are actually modeling for the parent then what she can then take home and do and kind of pointing out like, oh, well, I'm going to get so-and-so to help me with this. And oh, look, mom at home. So now you've sort of just developed your homework plan too for mom, but you're also helping to make it better. So I had this happen with a therapist not too, too, too long ago, maybe a couple years, but the child would always want to sit in the mom's lap during therapy, which, okay, that's fine. The the mom wanted the child to, you know, sit in their lap, which is fine. But then throughout the activities and the mom would help them do it. And she was helping a a lot. So whenever anything gets hard, he starts whining and looks at the mom and the mom just does it for him. Right. So we're not getting anything done. And that could be considered behavior. It was considered because she's having, he's got all these behaviors where he's just whining and every time he doesn't do it. So we worked a lot on terms of education for the mom about what we're doing and why we're doing it and why it's important for him and then also the long-term picture so helping her understand okay he's two right now actually he's two and a half turning three soon you know what he's going to go to kindergarten soon like we only have two years before kindergarten and if he can't do this this and this he's not going to be successful and then she's oh I didn't think about that you know sometimes especially as your first child you don't know what's coming so you're thinking just here and now and he's my little boy and I like to help him and that kind of stuff but he is going to have to go to kindergarten he's going to have to be independent eventually and that may all the difference too that's not necessarily just a one-time fix you might have to try some different um scenarios to see what clicks for that parent to help it go like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as you're saying that for that particular parent because I've, I've experienced that too I'll break it down and, and part of neurological development I'll be like let's do part task training where you're going to help him through most of it but then you're mm. going to start to back off the end of it and so we'll see if he'll do the finished piece right. and then we'll slowly back that away a little bit more and a little bit more and then they're like oh 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So really then you're coaching the parent right. on how to do it. I do that with feeding all the time. I never feed a child. I always have the parent feed the child because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be there. Right. And I need to see how they feed the child. And it's such a personal thing for a mom or dad to feed their child. You know, that's kind of your job. And so I, I never feed a child. I always have them do it. And then really I'm just coaching them because who cares if I can do it? I mean, you know, great, say I can do it. What if they can't do it was big whoop-de-whoop. I'm not very successful as a therapist. Not about me, about them. So I think some of those ideas or concepts as you're thinking about behaviors are helpful because, and they can really make or break and change the session. One thing I was going to mention, remember that little boy I talked about at the beginning of the podcast and he was like, no, no, no. You know what helped him was uh, changing the time of his therapy. He came straight from school to here without a snack and he was tired. So we backed him up by, I'd be grumpy. I mean, too. We backed him up by 30 minutes. Totally different kid. Yep. He just needed a snack. I was like, well, me too, brother. No, he was having what my Aunt Grace called a sinking spell. <laughs> well, he's having a sinking spell. He's a juice box and some goldfish. He'll be good as new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it's our job as a therapist to kind of recognize those signs and, yes. and make adjustments. Because again, even though they're my three o'clock, it's not about me. But you know who gave us the answer for that? We talked to the mom. We had her back there and she's like, I don't know. He doesn't really act like this. He's never acts like this. And you could tell she was embarrassed. I felt so bad for her. And we said to her, so what do you think? And she's like, well, we come straight here from school. He might be hungry. I said, well, could you come in 30 minutes later? She said, yeah. I said, well, actually it just worked out like, you know, sometimes like the stars and the moon and everything all aligns and you're like, ha ha. That's what happened. We had an opening like right after. I said, what if we just bump him up back by 30 minutes? Boom. Done. Drop the mic, goldfish in a juice box or whatever she gave him. I don't know, but it worked. Whatever it was, it worked. But some, it's all, not always that easy. Yeah, no, that was pretty easy. So hopefully some of those ideas will help with um, as we're thinking about behaviors. And, and there's a lot more to talk about on this podcast uh, topic. So stay tuned. We'll do some more behavior stuff. You know, because it's kind of a fun topic too, right? I think it gets such a negative connotation. And I think we're kind of trying to put out there that they're trying to communicate, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. And I think that as therapists, we often go to that negative place rather quickly. But I always say, you know, I'd rather work with an opinion because it's really hard to motivate an unmotivated individual, whether yes. it be for the good or bad. You know, if they don't want to play with that red car today, they have an opinion about the red car. There's got to be something else out there that's going to make them tick. And I think it's our job as a therapist to find out what makes them tick. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> One more story then, because that makes me think there's a little girl we were treating and she uh, doesn't like certain noises, right? And so we got this little car out and I pushed the button and it made a noise and she immediately ran to the corner and put her hands over her ears. So I grabbed the car up and stuffed it in the cabinet. She didn't like it. She told me she didn't like it. We're working on the word things. She's coming along. She didn't along. say, Miss Hayden, I don't like that toy. Can no, you she didn't. Put no, it she away? D- if she did it, she did. I'll be like, well, honey, you're discharged. Woo-hoo, cured. <laughs> anyway, but so she didn't. She ran to the corner. And so I told the other therapist, I said, well, her words have power. Now, she didn't say a word just then, but basically she did everything besides say no, you know? And so I said, we have to honor the fact that what she's saying, because as a speech therapist, if we're teaching kids that words have power and to use their words, they need to know it's, they have power. So we have to listen to them. It's not about us. I could care less if I use that. That car. There was another one in the cabinet that does the same exact thing without any noise, you know, whatever. I just wanted the car to go. But she doesn't like the noise, so we need to work on the noise. Plus, that gives valuable information to the OT. She's got this noise sensitivity. They can start to modify their treatment plan to address the issue, um, you know, and to help us with that noise thing. 
And you always say, do something to get something. If her do something is cover my ears and go into the corner, I just did something. My get something is put that thing away. Yeah. So I put it, so, so, and then I, and then I said to her, bye-bye car, bye-bye car, bye-bye car to show her the right way to do it. And, and she was, she was very attentive to me in that car because she wanted to make sure I didn't bring that thing out. So then maybe a little more practice down the road mm -hmm. when she doesn't want something anymore, she might link the bye-bye instead of running in the corner covering her ears when she doesn't want something anymore. I've heard, I've had kids go, all done. Yeah, same thing. All, all done. All done. <laughs> yeah. and, and you have to really honor that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a way to work around the all done, but that's another podcast too. Like when they start to use the all done for everything, everything. you know, you're like, <laughs> then you're like, oh, great. Now they figured it out. Now they understand words do have power and then you have to work around them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, wow, you're not supposed to be able to outsmart me. That's not what this is about. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, well, thank you for listening. Kiersey, that was great information. This is a fun topic. And we will catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.